Hello, and welcome to another episode of Popular Podagogy, a podcast brought to you by the Faculty of Education at Queen's University. I am extremely excited today to be joined by Dr. Andrew Campbell, who is an instructor in our Professional Master of Education program and is going to be speaking at our upcoming Knowledge Forum, which is going to be in a little bit of a different online format this year. Uh, Andrew, it's nice to be able to have you on. Thank you for having me. And it's a pleasure to be here to have this conversation with you. So I wanted to start off by talking uh, a little bit about your adopted name, Dr. ABC. Is there a story behind this? How did you come up with this? You know, why did you decide to brand yourself this way? And would you recommend that for some upcoming PhD candidates who are looking to kind of set themselves apart? Well, I'm going to tell you this, and this is what people ask me the question more than once. Here is the answer. It may not be as exciting as you anticipated. These are actually my initials. I thought that might be the case. (laughs) My name is Andrew. Bruce Campbell, ABC, but here was an interesting story. I had no idea my initials were ABC until 2002. No joke, never occurred to me. I was teaching in the, in the Bahamas, Nassau, Bahamas to be exact. And I, and you know, kids are always like, if you teach kids, you know, they always want to find out something more about their teacher. And so these kids kept asking, sir, what's your middle name? And so of course, after a couple of tries, I told him what my middle name was. And I said, yay, I know Mr. Campbell's middle name. Went away. The next morning I came to school and one of my students blocked the door and he said, tell me the magic word. And I was like, you know, kids are, what is that talking about? He says, your initials. And I go, okay. And he said, sir, your initials, they are ABC. And I was like, what? And he said, sir, Andrew Bruce Campbell, ABC. I was like, whoa. I literally, I tell you now, now, this is what many people don't know. I literally changed my signature that very day. Literally changed my signature. So that's where the story is important. I used to sign my name A. Campbell. As of that day, 2002, I started signing my name ABC. And so, of course, you know, I've been to the bank many times to do a check or something, and I initialed ABC, and they look at me like, hmm, maybe cannot read. So, you know, he used those ABC, but those are my initials. So you really have that student to thank for, for changing yes, your entire yes. marketing and around yourself. <laughs> and uh, so have you found that it's been helpful for you when you're actually, you know, promoting your research and promoting your book to have this separate moniker? I, I know I've, I've talked with other PhD candidates who have kind of branded themselves in their own way or, or you know, other doctorates that have branded themselves in their own way. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering how that's kind of helped you and affected your, your career. It has, it has, it becomes, a, it becomes familiar, but it also becomes familiar, it becomes easy and it becomes accessible. And I didn't know anything about branding until I did my website and the website, person who did my website, I remember she called me one day and she asked me for a number of stuff. And I said, um, like I figured out she wanted, she should have asked for more stuff. And then she said to me, no, I don't need to. She said, you are your brand. And what has done after is, is that she has taught me that, that I've used the term or the title Dr. ABC in so many spaces, in so many ways, it, it just taken up uh, traction. And so the branding has happened, but absolutely, you know, having an initial or having whatever name you want to call yourself, that is one part. But the next part of that is how you use it. And so this is what I would give to everyone, PhD candidate out there, is that I have used it in every single space. So I have used it on my resume. 
I have used it on PowerPoints. You will never see a PowerPoint from me without seeing my full name and then in bracket, Dr. ABC. And so I think you have to make sure you're intentional about your branding. And I wouldn't, I, I, I want to be very honest to say, I didn't be out, I didn't start up being intentional. After a while, I realized the value of being intentional. And so I have done it many places. And, and, and to add something to that, I have had opportunities where persons have corrected it. For instance, I write Dr. ABC with a capital R, not a common R, and there's no space between the, the between the, the word. And I've gone to space where people have corrected it and I said, that's not what it is. It's supposed to be a capital R without realizing that I am actually being very authentic to my brand. And I was like, wow. So even in using it, I have learned lessons and I've grown about the, the value in branding and marketing. So yeah, there's a lot in there for, for students listening. And just to confirm that you are very consistent with this, uh, on your Zoom account, where your name is appearing right now, you can see Dr. ABC in brackets next to Andrew Campbell. So absolutely, <laughs> you are you are true to your word on that one. But uh, we're very fortunate uh, at the Faculty of Education because we do have Dr. ABC coming and speaking at our Knowledge Forum this year. Could you give us a little bit of a taste of, of what you're going to be talking about? You know what? I want to talk about, I'm going to be talking about... Um, equity in our addressing diversity and equity in online setting. And two things that I think I want to leave with everybody right now is that there's a lot of learning that, that is happening through in the pandemic at this time. There is a lot that is happening, absolutely a lot. And many of us did not ask to be online. I am one person who chose to be online. I teach in the PME, the online PME program. So I signed up for online and the students in the PME sign up for online, but there are many students who are online that did not sign up for that. And so what, what does that look like for education, for teaching, for learning? And so for me, it's about surviving first. So everyone is in survival mode. When, when this hit in March, we all went into survival mode. What I want people to do right now is to move from surviving to thriving. And I want people to deliberate, and I'm gonna talk about how to move from surviving to thriving online. And there, there, and there are ways to do that. There are growing ways to do that. There are, there are good practices to do that. And it's, it's about being intentional. That's one of my favorite words. I'm, I'm sure you figured out by now. It's intentional about how we grow or we learn. Even, you know what, it's funny, even though we, we posture ourselves at the computer, it's important because we have to posture ourselves like we are in school. You know, I've had students who I say to them who are not doing well, they're struggling. And I say to them because I pull them aside and I say, because I see you literally roll out of bed and sit on the chair. You have to posture yourself for learning. You have to get up and wash your face, brush your teeth, change your change your, your, your top. You have to go downstairs or wherever you go, walk to the nearest Starbucks, go to Timor, get your coffee, get ready for school. And I would surprise you when I tell you the number of persons who have, said, who have said to me, I didn't think about that. I think because I'm on the laptop, I just, you know, chill and do it. You can't chill and do this well. This is real school. It's academia. It's real school. So even your physical posture for online learning has to be important for you to move from just surviving, but thriving. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that uh, as well in the knowledge forum. So that's what we're going to talk about, some tips and bits. 
And I think that's a good message actually beyond just students in, in the class or in, in the virtual yeah. class. It's a message that anyone who's working online can take because I think that that is something that you heard a lot of when the pandemic first started of people who were to, you know, dress like you're going to work, act like yeah. you're going to work, do what you're doing. But then it slowly faded away as time went on because people just became more and more comfortable with what they were doing. And with that, as that faded away, it could have also resulted in people not having that same mentality, that same idea. So, so I think that is something that's really important. Before you move on, another big yeah. one I wanted to leave with us, because I think it's important, is as about, for me, what has changed also is about accommodations. So I've always believed in accommodating students because they are different experiences. And I can tell you this, I have never done so many accommodations as a teacher before than now. And I'd be honest, and I said this, I do it with pleasure. Because I am learning that, you know, I have a luxury of being in a home office. And, you know, and I can't, I consider it a luxury, a privilege. And I'm very humbled by that because I, I didn't grow up in a space like this. If this, if I, if, if I, if, if this was my 10 year old self back in Jamaica, there'll be one bedroom in with my brother and my sister and my niece. There'll be four persons in that one bedroom. And I share that very, um, very specifically because I want people to understand that traditionally how we created online, we created online with, a, in, with an idea of privilege, find a good space, find a good home office, pull up your chair to the desk, get out your laptop. But the truth is a 10 year old a laptop was, would have been luxury item for my home. And I guarantee if this was when I was 10, there'd be maybe one laptop in the house and myself, my sister, my brother, and my niece would be sharing that laptop. And I said this and I could feel it because, so this is what I think about myself. And I hear parents, I talk to parents a lot and they are struggling. And so we have students who are parents. Sometimes we forget as many of our undergrad students are also parents. So they are trying to do my work, but they are home having a, a child that they're trying to assist. So I'm very intentional about the accommodation and, and that not everything is emergency. And, I, and, and I'm open to that. I am learning how to be a better teacher. I call it teaching through the pandemic. I am learning lessons myself. And so I want to, I want to say that. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because, you know, we've always talked and you hear about it in teacher education. You hear about it in your master's programs about, you know, what are students bringing in, in their backpacks? What is their baggage that they're bringing to the classroom? Oh, yes. And oh, never yes. has it been more visible than when they're actually having to stay surrounded and not have an escape from whatever space that they might be coming from. And there are a lot of students who are privileged and can have a home office or can have a separate space or work from their own separate bedroom. But there are also a lot of students who might not have that. And um, that goes across all levels of education from K to 12 to undergrad to graduate to PhD and beyond. And uh, I think it's important for all instructors, as well as, you know, even if you're an employee or an employer, recognizing mm -hmm. that not everybody has that same space and that our baggage and our um, home lives are mixed in with our, our school or work or our professional lives more than they ever have been before. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for us to kind of have that recognition that, you know, things aren't the same and things will be different. And even though we're trying to keep a sense of normalcy, we have to yeah. recognize that normal is different now. And, and I think that's something that is really important. And once we get, get that and we, we get our heads around that, that'll help mm. with what you're talking about from that shift from surviving 
to thriving because then we can incorporate some of those things and build it into what we're going for. So I'm really happy to hear that you have that focus on accommodation. Yeah. Yeah. And I like what you said about normal is different. It is. It is. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. So continuing with this idea of online learning, a lot of the work that you do is about diversity. So how is it different in an online setting? Um, And this is something, again, that will be really relevant right now because a lot of people have shifted to online, but just in a normal online class, you know, diversity is a little bit different of a topic to address in in that scenario, especially if it's an asynchronous class where you're not Mm -hmm. having that face-to-face contact, that face-to-face interaction. How, How do you address diversity in an online setting? So I, diversity is, you know what? I would say this, diversity is always there. We choose to see it or not, it's always there. You know, you said something about home. When you log into, for instance, a page, you will see the different background and you see what's going on and you understand the difference. First of all, you see the faces, you see the accessibility, you see where people are sitting. You see people sitting in very, very comfortable, luxurious spaces. And you see people who may not even want to turn the camera on. If they trust you enough, they will say to you, I can't turn the camera on. I've had that because this is what this is where I'm staying. This is where I'm living. As a matter of fact, Dr. Cam, I can't even turn my mic on because the sound is just going on. There are people in the house. There's people cursing. There's vile. There's stuff. There's real stuff happening. What we have done is bring... You remember the days when, and I say remember the days, I think it was years ago, but when a child would come to school or a student would come to school and said, I had a rough morning at home because domestic violence or this happened. Well, guess what? All that home is online. And so it's happening while they're at home. Sometimes it breaks my heart to know that people cannot leave their homes. I want you to realize something. School, and I said this with so many emotions, school was the escape for many kids. And when I say kids, I'm talking about all levels, including ourselves, for adults. When I say kids, I talk about everyone. School was the escape. There are persons who are in harbor relationships and their time to breathe is when they come to school. And how do I know that? Because I've had students who have said to me, I've had students more than once, has been a compliment. I've gotten this compliment maybe quite a bit in my career. And it sounds really off to some people, but I know what it is. I've had students say to me, Dr. Campbell, I'm not even sure what I learned in your class. But what I could tell you is that every time I come to school, I leave inspired, I leave feeling better. I've had students say to me, I am not well, but I'm coming to school so I could feel better when I leave your classroom. Because when I teach content, no matter how heavy the content is, I sprinkle it. I sprinkle it with inspiration. I sprinkle it with love. We forget that love is a part of teaching. We forget that. And I'm talking about adult classroom. Love is a part of teaching. Teaching is a kind of of occupation that is very personable. You know, I tell people otherwise, show me a professor who knows the content in their sleep, but they have no approach, no interpersonal skills. They're not good teachers. And I said that without apology. They're not good teachers. Teaching is really 40% content. The other 60% is connections. Is that smile you can smile to a student to say, I got you. Is a student trusting you to tell you, I I have been so emotional because I've had students who will tell me the most personal stuff. And I know the only reason why they told me is because they trust me. And here comes the equity. And they find a sense of belonging in my classroom. 
Many, many students are having problem in the face-to-face -face classroom and the same problem is in the online classroom. They do not feel they belong. We have to create a space of belonging. We have to create a space of belonging. You know, the other day I was, I was, I was in Jamaica and I was doing a class from Jamaica. So I didn't have my usual office like I have now. And I found one of those Zoom backgrounds and I found the beach. Because I was in Jamaica, I wanted to give you some beach. I was also wanting to tease my students that, hey, we're in Toronto, it's snow, it's cold. I heard it snow the night before Halloween. And here am I, I'm in Jamaica, I'm living my best life. You know, you, you're teasing them a bit. And it's good because they want to laugh for that. And I set my camera a certain way. And in the middle of my lecture, the, the, my camera fell, because I have a, 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 a detached camera, fell three times. And each time I, the camera fell, it looked like I fall over in the water. And the class went in an uproar. They said, Dr. Campbell, it looked to me like you're falling in the water because of the background. And that was just a beautiful moment for them to realize, hey, your camera can fall in the middle of your lecture. You know, this, we don't plan all of these things. The sound may go low, the sound may go high. They said to me, sir, I know where you're at because I could hear a truck outside blowing. And that is real. And so you have to allow people to realize we're living a real situation. This is a real pandemic. You are real people. We are teaching real courses and I recognize you and I, and I, and I see you as a real person. And so teaching is about right now, this time, the diverse and inclusion, it's there, but I'm going to end like how I started. We have to see it. We have to see it. I've seen persons who are looking just sad. I've seen sadness on online and I've sent them a private message. Are you okay? And they'll be like, I'm having a bad day, sir. And I say, you wanna stay back afterwards? So the days when we pull people in the, in the passageway and tell them stay back for five minutes, we are still doing those stay back for five minutes in Zoom. So you can humanize it. You can transfer a lot of these diversity inclusion stuff. Um, and I've, I've, you know, many more stuff I could say about, but I really wanna talk about belonging and about senior student when it comes to inclusion and diversity. And first of all, thank you, because I think especially what you said about 40% uh, content and 60% love is something that can often get missed, especially in a higher education setting. We're very yes. focused on, yes. on, you know, the experts and the content and the um, level of instruction, but we don't necessarily think about the connection that comes between an instructor and their students or between even if it's a, a teaching assistant and their students and you know it's very rare that you look back on your even your university career and you think you know what I really remember this class because of this subject but what you do remember is you look back on your university career and you say I really remember this class because of this instructor or because of Absolutely. this faculty member or this teaching assistant and Absolutely. from there, you'll remember the content better because you were so connected to that individual. And like you said, you felt a belonging in that class yeah. and you felt like you, you existed in that class. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I think I, I like to see the world in the best way possible. I try yeah. to. And so I, I like to think that everybody wants to have that feeling towards their students and every every faculty member wants their students to feel a sense of belonging in their class. I, I really yeah. want to believe that. So for those people who maybe they want to have that feeling, but they aren't necessarily as naturally inclined to make that welcoming environment, what would be some ways that you would recommend they set up their class so that it can become more welcoming? 
Yeah. I'm going to go back to my favorite word. I guess you forget right <laughs> now. You have to be intentional about this. No, I'm, you have to be intentional. Let me tell you something. We are so busy. All of us are so, I guarantee after this session, each of us have tons of stuff to do for today. We have to be intentional about stopping to, to, to do these things. So what I've seen, when I used to go on and watch teachers, you know, and practicum, you go with a form, you try to watch them teach, you fill out, fill out. It's a lot. And you, you're going to drive to another school. But I've learned how to stop and intentionally speak to a teacher about various things. And it's funny, she said that I got an email from a student just this week. And she said, you know, you're no longer teaching me, Dr. ABC, but I'm following you on LinkedIn. And she said, you still inspire me. She said, I love teaching. She said, because you have inspired me. Can you imagine the kind of teacher she is going to be when she loves teaching in a time when people are screaming and, and don't want to teach and some persons are only teaching because it pays a good salary? You know, I speak the truth now. Some people are only in teaching because it pays a good salary. You're right. Some persons, they don't like anybody as children except their own. Teaching is a funny job. You, teaching is a funny job because you have to like other people's children. You can like, I, I, I hope you like your own children, but teaching is different. Teaching is about liking and loving and caring for other people's children. And that's a skill. So what you need to do, you be very intentional. You need to also reflect on who you are. Constant reflection. I think as a profession, we need to be really reflective people, but also checking your bias and your prejudice. Why is it that you may not be so inclined to be more personable to particular students? Think about that. Think about that. I remember a story where a student was very, very harsh with me. Like I tried to get to her and I couldn't get to her. Like I was feeling like, okay, I was failing at this student because everything was a problem. And I really tried and I, I, I let go after a while. And then I was, you know, once it was a Saturday class, I was teaching at a college. And one Saturday morning, I think a group of students watched me trying to connect with this student and I couldn't connect. And I walked away. And one of the students walked behind me. And when I was reaching a far place, she said, Dr. Campbell, you know, this is a hopeless case for you to try because she's not connecting you because she said, because you are gay. And she said that to me. She said, because of your sexual orientation, there's no connection because she has a problem. And so why did I put that in? I put that in because I want you to realize that even our biases, our, our, our stereotypes, our preconceived notions, our, uh, our ideas of what should be, we have, those things impact how we connect with people. Those things impact how we connect with people. I've had people say to me, you are really nicer than I thought. And I show you, you met me the first time, you, you saw everybody laughing, you think I was a nice person. I am a nice person, but there are people who think I am a very strict and rigid teacher. And I can tell you, I have been the strict teacher on staff. You remember those old schools where you know that teacher don't, is no nonsense. Let's, let's tiptoe past his classroom. That was my classroom where you had to tiptoe past because I'll be teaching and I could hear you outside and I'd be like, are you not passing my class with noise? No, you are not. So I was that teacher. <laughs> but the more people get to know me, they'll be like, Mr. Campbell is the funnest teacher. You know, at kids used to say that because I am, but because they had to get to know you. And so one of the other, the, uh, the other tip is that as educators, we should get to know our students, but we should allow our students to get to know us. We really should allow students to get to know us. I have a thing that whenever I come online, I, you know, I, I would have a cup of tea and I would talk about it, what I'm drinking. And after I was just very, very relaxed. After a while, the student would say to me, but sir, you didn't tell us what's in your cup. 
you know, because they say, you always tell us if, I'm, if you're drinking good old Jamaican ginger tea or I'm having coffee or I'm having, you know, ginger tea with some, a squeeze of lemon because my voice and those little tips, they got, they allow them to get to know who I am more and get to know me more. And I, I become more personable. I became a person, not just somebody on the, on the website or somebody on, on a Zoom, but they get to know who I, you know, who I am. So it's important. Those are some of the tips. It's very important. So just thinking of what you were saying there, and especially in regards to your own bias, one of the things that my first principal always said to me was think about what their mother thinks of them mm. and always think of how their family sees that child. And, and, you know, what do they love about that child? Cause some days you're right. Some days, you know, you, you see a student and they're doing five different things that can irk you and irritate you. And it's, you, your bias and your intent is, you know, you're frustrated with that student, but you always have to come back and think about, okay, what can I do to connect with the student? What can I do to make this student feel welcome? And then once you build that relationship, it makes it so much easier for you to manage that relationship mm -hmm. and to, to have that student succeed and thrive in your class. And I think that's, that's something that's always stuck with me. And that, that reminds me a lot of what you're talking about here, because it's about recognizing that, okay, why is it that I'm not connecting with this person? What can I do differently to make it so that I do connect with this person? And then once I have connected with this person, how can I, I use that relationship or, or manage that relationship to make it so that they'll get the best out of themselves and I'm getting the best out of myself as a teacher. And so I think that's a really strong message and it's something mm -hmm. that's really important. And it's something that every teacher could think about and work on. And it's kind of like a mindfulness technique where you stop and pause and think about what you're you're doing and you're thinking and you're saying before you actually go and think and do and say so that mm. you can make it as effective of a classroom for, for your students as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more of Dr. ABC. Are you an occasional teacher looking to improve your job prospects? Are you an experienced teacher trying to reach the next pay scale? Are you interested in improving your overall teaching practice? Queen's Continuing Teacher Education has you covered. With easy to access online courses, you can log on to your course from anywhere you have access to the internet. Courses offered by CTE range from special education to technological education to safe and accepting schools. Queen CTE courses work with your schedule, have supportive, expert instructors that want to help you succeed. Registration is fast and easy with no commitment to pay until the Friday before the course starts. What are you waiting for? Visit coursesforteachers.ca for more information or to sign up today. That's coursesforteachers.ca. All right, welcome back to Popular Podagogy. We are fortunate to be joined again today by Dr. ABC, uh, Dr. Andrew Campbell. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on again, but uh, we you. just wanted to touch before we get to our classroom confession on a topic that's um, you know, on, on the front of a lot of people's minds uh, mm -hmm. right now, and it's something that you've done research in, which is anti-Black racism. So yes. um, would you be able to just give us a little bit of a tip or, or an idea of, of what teachers or instructors or faculty members can be doing um, to, to address such a serious topic? Yeah, thank you for that. 
you know, I've done a lot of workshops in this area, a lot. And um, something that's common happens almost every time you do a workshop, especially with educators. They want something to take away. They want, an, you know, another pamphlet, a worksheet, uh, a book or whatever. And what I've been doing very, very um, intentionally, goes my word again, lately is saying to people, you don't need something else. Use the tools you already have. You don't need another piece of paper. And I'm going to leave it to you on the major tool that I leave with people. And it's their itself. When I, I spoke, I've spoken to rooms filled with um, 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 principals and leaders, and they, they, they do look at me when I finish. I said, yourself, the power that you have as a person, you are your principals, you are leaders, you have titles, you have, you have your names on the door. You don't have a regular pen ink. Your pen ink signs contracts and offers and access and open doors and closed doors. Use the power that you have. You do have power and influence. Use it. I, I, and I, I say something, I said, act your title, act your title. You are dean, you are chair, you are lead, you are team lead, you are task force, you are committee chair. You have power, use it. And one of the things you use first is who you are. Who you are as a person. Have you taken a time out in this whole idea of anti-Black racism to think about the power that you have, the influence that you have, and how you use that to create space and to create access. And it's not about, you know, always being a part of a task force or being a part of policy drafting or policy regulation, but it's about how you talk. I said to somebody the other day, I was in Ottawa, and I said, I don't really want to hear much about the conference presentation. What I want to hear conversation this morning in Starbucks. What is it that you said to your person, to the person with you when you saw certain things around you? Tell me about you. you I'm sure you all remember, remember the Starbucks incident. If you were in Starbucks that day, what would have been your reaction? I didn't say you must spring into action. I said, what would be your reaction? How would, you, how would you walk out feeling? How would you, baby, be intentional about what you saw, what you said, how you interfere, how you interact, how you disrupt that setting? So I want people to realize that in this work of anti-Black racism and disrupting, we like to use the word disrupting, you have power. You have your own power to use. Use that power. And don't always think about, you know, I need to be a part of some big, big movement to get this work done. Even though you smile to your new neighbor, that black neighbor that came into your community that nobody on the streets have spoken to, because I know what that looks like. How do you be the neighbor to knock on the door and say, hello, welcome to the community. Try that. And you'll be, you'll be dismantling and disrupting major ways than trying to sit on some committee. So I want to leave that with you. Thank you. And, and I think, you know, I, I don't have much else to add to that other than I think that it's really important um, that what you said is focusing on the little actions and focusing on the little things that you can do day to day and all of those little things together really add up to make a difference. And, and, you know, there is importance in policy and importance in, in committees and, and they matter, Absolutely. but they don't necessarily matter as much as changing the attitudes and behaviors and thoughts of people so that they can continue to, work on themselves and work on improvement yeah. and make it so that it's, it's there. So thank you Absolutely. for sharing that. That's, that's a really important message and important topic. Thank you. Uh, so this is a complete shift in gears, but we are going to move now to our classroom confession. Shifting so for those, good. <laughs> <laughs> 
so those who are listening at home, our classroom confession is, uh, if you haven't heard it before, it's just meant to uh, have these very important, very serious people that we have on the podcast give a little bit of a, a confession about something funny or, uh, you know, embarrassing or, or humorous that's happened in their classroom before, because anytime you've been teaching for a number of years, um, you know, and you're around students, whether they're uh, younger students or K to 12 students or students in a university, something funny happens. Uh, you stick yes. yourself in a group of people all the time. Something funny is going to happen. And we like to end the podcast with a little bit of uh, lighthearted fun that way. So Dr. ABC, do you have a classroom confession for us today? Oh, do I have a classroom confession? <laughs> I should ask you, which one do you want? Number 250, number five, <laughs> number 1,500? Like if you've been teaching as long as I have, you have a lot of classroom confessions. <laughs> I'm going to go to one of the confessions. Uh, I'm going to go to something to do with doing workshops. And, to, and I also teach people about how to do presentations. And none of us is perfect. And I want us to realize sometimes we, we are so hard on ourselves. So one of the confessions I have to make is that when I do my workshops, I go very, very, I go hard. And one of the places I go hard at is talking about examining your role. I go very hard with examining your role. And on my slide, I have, you know, starting from things like being a denier, being a racist, being a pretender, being a box checker, being an advocate, being whatever, right? And one of the words there, of course, is being an ally. And I'm going to tell you this. I have done some amazing workshops, and I'm sure the, the video is out there to prove it. And when I get to the ally, I go in deep. About after about the fifth workshop in, the, in, the, in a series I was doing in the same topic, Someone pointed out to me at the end of the presentation that the word ally was spelled wrong. It was A-L-L, not A, I didn't spell it A-L-L-Y, I spelled it A-L-L-E-Y, Ali. And I literally almost died two times when I realized. I said to myself, I have presented this slide maybe in the biggest, most fabulous forum and spaces. And the word was spelled wrong. So you know what? Yeah, I'm allowed to tell the tales. I, I, you know, I'm allowed to tell the tales. But you know what? Kudos to that one person because you went through five other presentations. Can you believe it? Without anyone saying a word to you. And in that fifth one, that person had the courage to come and talk to you. So absolutely. Shout out to that person. Shout Congratulations. Out to that person. <laughs> and you know what? It's okay. It's okay it's that okay. you made a it's mistake okay. and it's okay that it's okay. he pointed it out and everyone was friends after. And then yeah. on your sixth presentation, you looked real I'm, strong at that word. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? As I have to say this as to educators, teaching is growing. You, you know, I said to my teacher candidate quickly, I always say to my teacher candidate, most of what you will do as a teacher, you learn while teaching. I can only give you basic. You learn, you learn to teach while teach, and you end up making those mistakes while being a teacher. I look back at some of the things I did as a young teacher, and I go, whoa, whoa. So that's it. That's it. Confessions are good for the soul, they say. Confessions, Confessions are good for the soul. And my soul is feeling good today. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I'm feeling good today because we got to have this conversation. So thank you for coming on. Uh, Before we go, I want to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find more of you. So I know the Knowledge Forum is coming up if you want to speak a little bit about that. And you have a few books that are out if you want to talk to them. But uh, take it away. Yeah, you can definitely find me on my my website, drabc.ca. Look at that. When I went, it was available. It was available. DrABC.ca. You couldn't be more happy to find that that website was still available. So that is it. You can also follow me on Twitter at, at DrABC14. You can also find me at um, in on Instagram at Teachable Moments with Dr. ABC. And that's the name of maybe my most popular book. I have a copy of it somewhere. Yay! I have a copy of it somewhere. It's Teachable Moments with Dr. ABC, a spoonful for the journey. And it's it's just filled with stories and inspiration and, and 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 love and mistakes and all that kind of good stuff. So yeah, they can find about me there, my social media and on my website. Well, thank you again, Andrew, for for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you to everyone who's tuned in today and listened. And a big thank you goes out to our producer Josh, who cleans this all up and makes us sound fantastic. If you liked what you heard today, uh, please make sure that you subscribe to our podcast. Uh, We're found on the Faculty of Education website, on the CFRC website at Queens, as well as on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. We really appreciate you listening and we'll see you next time.